Hello, everybody. It's Phil Friend here with another edition of Gear Gadgets and Gizmos. And if you don't know what that's all about, it's where we try and chat to um, somebody who's doing some interesting things to get around their disability. They're using kit in an unusual way or something of that sort. Um, and today we've got a, a gentleman by the name of Peter Godby Watt. And Peter is a photographer. But I'm not going to say any more about him at this point because we want to get into actually what he does and how he does it. So, hello, Peter. Welcome. Hi, Phil. Thank you very much. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. Now, Peter, let's start um, at the beginning. Well, not right. Not right. <laughs> in your birth or something. Um, but I know that in about 2018, I think it was, you got cancer. And yeah. that then enabled you to join the illustrious club uh, of disabled people, which we're both members of. But what, what was that all about, Peter? What, what... Well, if, if I could take it back a little bit before then, um, yeah, sure. because I, I think how I became a photographer and my pre-disabled life, if you like, is, is quite relevant. Yeah. Um, so uh, going back, I hated school. Uh, so I wasn't particularly academic, but I loved drawing. Um and when I went to the careers advice, there was a choice of either go to art college or join the RAF regiment. Um, I, thankfully, I got into art college um, to do art, drawing, um, design, that type of thing. And it was whilst doing um, that at um, Watford School of Art that photography was a very small part of the um, course. And I remember uh, printing my first ever print um, of a from a negative that I processed from a shot that I had taken about half an hour earlier, and it was magic. That was the bug. So that was about 1984, 85. So this and, is well, well before digital photography. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, film. Um, oh, film. Yeah, um, and uh, and I was hooked ever since. So I left college in 1987. Uh, then freelance for about a year, which basically meant I was unemployed, um, scrabbling around. I uh, then was fortunate to uh, be offered a job at, at the BBC as a, a photographer at TV Centre in Shepherd's Bush. So I was permanently employed, but I was on a freelance basis. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about um, people being made redundant from the BBC. And I thought, All right, I need to get a full time job that's going to be like guaranteed employment. And then ironically about a week later in the British Journal of Photography the Met were advertising for police photographers so I applied to the Met and um, got a job full-time with the Metropolitan Police as a forensic photographer. In the in the police work that you did were you actually shooting scenes of crimes and those kinds of things or was yeah. it yeah you were so you had was, to um, see some pretty unpleasant stuff i would have thought yeah i mean the the bread and butter work really, the department when i joined it had about 120 photographers oh big yeah i mean huge huge department and the bread and butter was scene of crime photography so you know crime scenes and yeah. you know which would be um in all weathers and all types of environments and you'd you're right you'd see some very horrific stuff yeah. Um, but also the department did a lot of things like video production, um, publicity photography for the Met, surveillance, uh, yeah. public order. Um, so basically anything with a, a policing enforcement type of environment that requires photography. So it was 
mainly going to crime scenes, but also it was much more proactive with doing things like surveillance and yeah. video as well. In 2000, I set up the first ever professional photographic training course at uh, the police college at Hendon um, and then ended up having six full-time trainers to train just in photography. And we would not only train police photographers, we'd also train senior crime officers and police officers in surveillance and that type of thing. And, uh, and then eventually I ended up running the entire scientific support college um, which later became the Forensic Faculty of the Crime Academy, still based at Hendon, and where I was responsible for all aspects of forensic training. That's quite an amazing journey, isn't it? I mean, you... God. Yeah, and it was just, I mean, it needed that sort of level of professionalisation and dedication to it rather than sort of ad hoc training. Um, but that then led to me to work with Interpol for six years, developing an, a European um photographic training of qualification and then in the when was it no, october 2005 i was um, went to america and had a uh, epileptic seizure whilst oh. in san francisco um thankfully um they put it down well i i told them that i i'd not had much sleep and i'd been eating crap and drinking loads and they basically their advice was well eat more healthily get some more sleep um, but I then came home a couple of days later and had an MRI scan and they found that I had a large brain tumour, oh. um, which had caused a seizure. Uh, <clears throat> so I had that removed at the Royal Free in December 2005. Um, and, and it is relevant because that then metastasized to my pelvis oh. in 2018. Oh. Um, but at the time, they didn't classify it as cancer. Um, until 2018 when they did they did say you you know, 13 years ish yeah of trouble free once you yeah had... i mean it left me with epilepsy so i was on med medication controlled epilepsy um couldn't drive for three two and a half to three years um i got mrsa three times so i have now quite a weak um chemical makeup with my skin um, anyway, so skipping forward, I uh, took voluntary redundancy in the Met in 2014, um, then almost went full circle because I then got a job at a local college teaching FE students, so 16, 17-year-olds, photography. Yep. So I went right back to basics because they still had dark rooms. For a long time, I couldn't work out what I really what my where my passion was but I realized that I love talking to people I love meeting new people and I love talking to them and I thought you know what I made a career out of photographing and training people to photograph dead bodies I want to photograph live ones so that's when I really uh, concentrated on portrait photography and and things that involved people so I did portraits was my main emphasis but I also did um fashion shows so runways London yeah. Fashion Week I used to do and also live music events as well so very, everything very much you know a live live thing uh, which I loved and things were going fantastically well um I was really building up a great volume of work for my portfolio and had quite a large range of clients as well 
one day I went into in 2018, I went into central London to meet a friend of mine to go to the National Portrait Gallery. And the the, the pavement was wet because it had been raining. And I sort of slipped and I got such a sharp pain that I couldn't prevent myself from falling over. So I, I fell over. People came and helped me up, but I, I really struggled to walk for the rest of the day. I was in absolute agony went and had an x-ray the following day and whilst they said I hadn't fractured anything they could see a large tumour on my pelvis so I was referred to the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital in Stanmore and they took it out Um, but they couldn't do a hip replacement for me because there just wasn't enough bone left so whilst I can stand um, I can't move the muscles to move my right leg um, so people. this peter this then this now is this is permanent and so yeah. you're faced with having to use crutches at that point and uh, yeah yeah for certain things yeah i can mobilize short distances on crutches right. um but for longer distances also for sitting down on a long time not at home i need a wheelchair um, I use a mobility scooter as well to go into the local town where I live. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm permanently on crutches to just move around the house. Sure. But if I'm going any further, so if I'm leaving the house, I we'd have to take a wheelchair or mobility scooter with me. Gotcha. Okay, so so obviously this comes as a shock. You you go through all the surgery. You eventually emerge from all of that. You're now faced with a very very You've got huge experience in the photography mm. world. You've set up your business, and then this has happened to you. So now you begin the process. Tell me about that, the process of saying, okay, how do I carry on doing Because those of us who know anything about photography, certainly the level you're doing it, know about big lenses and mm. big cameras and lots of stuff, lights and all sorts of gear. So how do you, on crutches and wheelchairs, and mobility scooters go, oh, well, that's not a problem. Easy. Like, I mean, how do you, what did, what adjustments did you make so that you could carry on doing what you're doing? Right. Well, when I was in hospital, um, I was in there for four weeks. And then I started thinking about, well, if I was to do it, how would I do it? And because and my style of photography at the time was very much going to places. Yes. So if I was doing portraits, I would go to um somebody's work location or a location they chose and i would work with their environment rather than the confines of a studio yeah so um i had to say that and of course you know runways and things like that music events they can't come to you you have to go to them but the biggest issue i was facing was i can't get anywhere so i started to think about well maybe i should actually just go back to doing studio portraits um so that was my plan and and before i had a a portrait studio built at home i was when i finally got home i was using all different parts of the house looking at the lighting where it was falling on walls where the windows were just to try to get different looking portraits and that started to work really really well and then um i remember it distinctly it was the day boris johnson became prime minister i woke up that morning and the vision in my right eye was blurred and and i thought that's not good that's not right and it it didn't go away so i went to an emergency eye clinic 
and they referred me to Moorfields Eye Hospital mm-hmm. in Old Street, and they found out through their examinations and scans that I'd got a tumour in my right eye as well. Brilliant. Is- and and most photographers will tell you they you 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 focus always with one particular eye, and my focusing eye was my right eye, so of course I couldn't focus anything, and that's when I really thought, you know what. What, what is the point of carrying on? Because I can't focus. Mm. Um, but of course, you're born with two eyes, aren't you? So once I'd got over the shock of, of realising that I can't really see that well out of my right eye now. So I thought, right, OK, I'm going to have to try and learn to focus with the left eye. And didn't realise how good my left eye was, actually. <laughs> so that works really well. Occasionally, I do still forget. And I think, why isn't this image sharp? Oh, it's because I'm using, I'm using the wrong eye to focus with. I then decided to... And, and also, I, I was... When lockdown happened, I couldn't go to the gym to do my physiotherapy. Because I, re- I rely on a lot of physiotherapy on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So we've got quite a big garden. So my wife just suggested, well, why didn't we build a gym? So I built a gym and thankfully the gym was big enough to turn half of it into a portrait studio. Ah, right. So this is where all the adaptations come in because I then had to think about how can I work there on my own? It's all very well working with people to help you, but Mm. I don't want to rely on other people to help me. So I went through lots of thought processes of knowing how a conventional studio is set up to how I can physically work. So one of the first things was I need to have a wheelchair down there permanently in the portrait studio because I can get from the house to the studio on the crutches, but I need something to sit on while I'm down there because I can't stand for very long. So um, I've got a wheelchair down there, which was the NHS provided wheelchair, which they don't want back, you know, local authority, I think, to their wheelchair. So I've got that down there and I've got the light stands I've, I've bought wheels to go on the feet of the light stands so that rather than lifting the yeah. light stand to reposition it i could just move it across the floor and glide it on its wheels um but i've pretty much got a a permanent static setup of, of three flashes and so i thought right what i need to do is rather than try to be really clever and fancy with the photography i need to strip it back to the basics which is good lighting strong composition and an interesting subject. They're the three most important things. So that's what I now do. I don't rely on the background being part of the narrative. I just rely on, as I said, good lighting, good composition and an interesting subject. If I I look at your website and I'm going to post your link to your website on on the notes for our listeners, because I think they'd love to see some Mm. Um, but when I looked, I mean, clearly there are still pictures that you're taking where you're going out and on location. So, yeah, presumably you found a way of doing that. Now. Your mobility scooter presumably helps a bit. Yeah. That. You know what? It's as as anybody who's got um, I mean, any disability, but I found particularly with a, a, phys- a walking impairment mm. is planning is key. Yeah, You know, I can't, the, the days of being able to just think, you know what, I fancy going and doing this today are over. I need, if I want to go somewhere, there has to be lots of preparation, lots of online research. You know, if I can, I'll send my wife along to see what the access is like, what yeah. parking is like as well, because you need to be able to park near a venue. I still haven't used public transport 
since 2018. I mean, COVID, actually, everyone was complaining about lockdown. COVID was a blessing to me in a way because I thought, well, at least you you lot can't go out and I can't go out. So now you can see a bit of like what my life is like sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I've not used public transport since 2018. I've not driven, actually, since uh, before 2018. And um, so it's all about access. Um, and Because what I've realised is actually, because I've looked back at everything that I used to do pre-walking impairment, and I thought most of it I could actually still do as long as I can get there. So for me, it's not about the doing, it's about the getting there in order to do the photography. What about the, the equipment? Do you you take it with you or is it on location? Do you have it? no I've, I've so most of the photography i do is in the studio so obviously i've got my own kit it's it's all rigged it's all set up permanently um and i use uh i use a very simple setup all the time right so the my the only real thing that i change which i cannot do on my own is i ch- i've got a big portable background which is like a huge pop-up background. Um, And this is something like two metres by three metres. I mean, this is huge. One side is black, one side is white. Now, what I do is I do half the portrait photography with a black background and half of it with the white background. But I can't physically move the background on my own whilst trying to balance. Um, Mm. So I have to have somebody in to assist me and change the background so the next thing i'm looking into is getting like a roller system so yeah. that i can have a, a black background or a white background which i can control myself what we've got then as we're getting near the end of our time um we've got your journey before your disability which was yeah. very successful career in photography and various sorts you then get your impairment you adapt your photography to accommodate that so rather than going out doing lots of stuff you now have people coming to you for the pictures and and so on the prints um if if somebody's listening to us and they're thinking i'd like to have a go at this and they've got issues of walking or mobility or whatever what bit of advice would you offer them given your experience i know you've got many years experience as a photographer so let's assume they know what they're doing photographically mm, yeah major mobility problems of some sort um well interestingly i i mentor um, a couple of other people just who i've been in touch with or have been in touch with me one of whom's got cerebral palsy right and and he has found a way to set his camera up under my guidance so that he can shoot it with just with one hand so what i would say to anybody is identify the kit either that you've got or that you would need and work out a way that you can do it or use it effectively with your disability and if you can then you'll always be able to if you see what i mean then nothing is unachievable it's it's when you there's physically nothing at all for you to use that then you think okay well i'm i'm I've, it's sort of defeated me in a way um but you know so the issues with me you'd have to break it down into how you photograph something in my case and i was thinking right if i if i can't stand up what do i need to do i need to sit down okay well if i need to sit down what do i need to sit in well, it's got to be comfortable and it's got to be the chair that moves so yeah. a chair that moves is a chair on wheels i.e a wheelchair 
yeah. I need space to put kit that I'm not using. So I need to put a spare lens. So it's no point in the lens being in a drawer in a cupboard the other side of the studio because I can't get up to get it. So I've got a, a bag attached to the side of the wheelchair that my kit that I'm shooting with goes in. Yes. Um, and it's all those little ad- I've got somewhere to lean the crutches because yes. when I'm holding the camera, where are the crutches going to go? I can't have them lying on the floor as a trip hazard. Um, so I found somewhere to wedge the crutches that are close by whilst I am shooting. And as I said, I do things like put the wheels on the light stands so that I can move the light stands whilst I'm sitting down and it's not too heavy. Is there one thing? I mean, obviously, the ch- the wheelchair, your crutches are your medical. You need those. Whatever yeah. you do, you need those. Is there one thing you you use that you couldn't do without? Um, to and I mean, I quite like the idea of the bag hanging on your chair, for example, with your lenses and stuff in. Is there something like that that you've realised if you didn't have that? Yeah, you couldn't do the. Well, the whole thing of, of, I mean, because I'm still learning now, even though I've had my disability since 2018, which, um, you know, I think it is definitely different if you have an acquired disability compared to if you're born with a disability, because you almost grow up learning to adapt, yeah, because you don't know anything different. But I am always adapting um, the studio, and, and I would actually say it's the silly little simple things that make a world of difference. And it is, for me, for my photography, it is as simple as having the bag strapped to the side of the wheelchair. Yeah. It's not on the back of the wheelchair. It's at the side. And it's at the side that I can grab a lens. I can take a lens off, put the lens in the bag, get the lens out. And, and I can do all of that from sitting in the wheelchair. Whereas yeah. before I had that bag, um, I would have to either have somebody holding the lens that I'd want to use, or I'd have to get up on the crutches, put the camera down. Yeah. I had nowhere to put the camera, so I'd have to have it around, hang swinging for a minute. So I have to get the crutches, get up, hobble across the room, get the lens out, which is expensive, and I risk dropping mm-hmm. it, put it in my pocket, go back to the camera, sit down in the wheelchair, get the camera, take the lens up. And it, it was such a lengthy process. I thought, yeah. I need to speed this up. Yeah. So simply having something a step attached to the wheelchair is fantastic. And I, and what I found was another thing that's quite similar. When I go out on the mobility scooter, I still need my crutches, A, to get onto the mobility scooter, and mm. B, to get off the mobility scooter the other end. Mm. Now, all the ways that you can buy to carry crutches, in particular on a mobility scooter, have the crutches behind you. Well, that's no good if you need the crutches to just be able to get behind you. So I bought these little Terry clips and got these Velcro straps and I've attached my crutches to the tiller of the mobility suit. So the crutches are sitting in front of me. They're easy to get, easy to take on and off. There's no, it doesn't, you know, they literally just snap into place. And what made me think about that was, um, how um, f- firearms officers carry their weapons in cars. They oh. have their their carbines clipped in place so that they can easily access them. And I thought that's what I need. 
you know, it's like, you know, you see adverts of people clipping things to walls, like their brooms to a wall in the kitchen. It's a quick release mechanism. And that's exactly what I need. And and I thought and thought and thought about it and came up with a very simple life hack. And it is the simple life hacks that make such a difference. I'm going to ask you to, because you should be able to do this quite easily. I'm going to ask you to send me a picture of your scooter with the clips on. No I'll, problem. I'll post that on the site. And and I'd quite like to see the bag hanging on the chair. <laughs> okay. And yeah. I think being a photographer, you might be able to take pictures that could. could I help. hope so. Yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> so, so, so we're at the end of our time, Peter. And I'm very grateful to you because that is a really interesting story. I mean, your whole life story is very interesting, but how you've managed since your uh, disability arrived is, mm. is fascinating very professional career you're doing but what you've said to us i think is two things that resonate all the way through the story um one is plan 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 do not just go off and do mm, stuff you'll yeah. get so that's your big one and the other one is to invent your own way mm. of getting around the problem like the bag like the clips for your sticks it's small things that make the huge differences isn't it is what you've said yeah, so, abs- I was going to say absolutely, and 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 also de- deciding on okay, I can't necessarily do what I used to love doing in that way, but you know, if I still love doing it, maybe there's another way to do it differently. Yeah, and that is me with choosing. I, you know, what I did. You know, they always say build, think outside the box. Mm. Well, I thought inside the box. I built a box so that I could carry on with my portrait photography because I can't necessarily go out easily to the outside world to go and photograph somebody in the middle of a field. So if you can't go to it, you can bring it to you. Exactly. You bring it to you. Yeah. Well, on that note, I'm going to um, bring this to a close, but Peter, thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Make sure that uh, your website and, and therefore access to your your photographs uh, are available to those that want to look at them because I think they're stunning. Some of the pictures are unbelievably good. Well, my my website is needs updating, but I post a lot on Instagram, and my Instagram is at PGW Imaging. Um, that's on Instagram. I'll make sure that's there. Peter, thank you so much for giving us your time. Fascinating, and uh, I wish you well. And thank you very much, Phil. Wonderful pictures. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you'd like to share your stories about how you use technology to overcome some of the barriers that your disability puts in your way, then please contact me at brinkburn at gmail.com or you can look up the Research Institute for Disabled Consumers details on their website, which is ridc.org.uk. Thanks very much and I look forward to hearing from you.